0: and now from beyond our dimension this is the Jeff mara podcast here's Jeff
1: my guest is Leonard Rogers who had a near death experience after a car accident which we're going to learn about today Leonard thank you for joining me and welcome
0: thank you for having me Jeff
1: Leonard can we start on the day of your car accident and go from there
0: sure um it happened because i was uh... Actually following an uncle, Um, he had uh, left out of the house. And not long after he left, I decided I'm going to follow him. So I just basically just burst through the screen door. And before you know it, I'm following him down the sidewalk. And um, he was making pretty good ground on me, but I tried to keep up as best I could until he got to the point where he uh, actually made it to the street. Um, he actually crossed the street before I could actually get to the street. And when I reached the street and, and stepped off of that curb, uh, a whole new world opened up for me, basically. Um, there was a car coming. Of course I didn't see it because at the time it was like time had slowed down a bit and for an instance, it was like something had stopped in between me and the car and just as quickly exited off to my right. And as I'm looking to see what that was, I, in my peripheral vision, I can now see the car coming toward me. So as I start to turn toward the car, I didn't have time to complete the turn before I was hit. And when, when the car hit me, it hit me with such force that the back of my head struck the concrete pretty, pretty, pretty hard. And it was at that point that I lost all bodily movements. I couldn't move anything at all, although I could see. So I basically thought I was fine. I didn't really feel any pain or any discomfort. Um, My hair was throbbing a bit. I remember my head was throbbing just a little bit. But other than that, I basically thought I was fine. So I tried to actually get up. And um, as I'm trying to get up, I noticed that my body wasn't working, but I could see. I mean, I could see that I was up under the car. I, I look up at the and I could see the bumper right, right in front of my eyes, but I couldn't actually move my body. So I would actually keep trying to do this, and you know, it was felt like it was a workout, Jeff. Like it was a workout trying to make my body work. And at some point during this, I heard a voice tell me to let go. It was like, I'm wiggling around out here, let go. It was, the voice was like, it felt as if I should have known whose voice it was. But at the time, it was like, it was kind of startled. So I've tried to get up even worse after that, you know. Um, and it was so debilitating, just trying to use the energy to make this thing work. And when I got to almost the point of exhaustion, I heard let go again. And by this point, Jeff, I was ready to because I was so tired of just trying to to fight to make this thing work that I didn't care what was happening next. You know, I didn't care what was going to happen. I basically let go. And I think that's what that's what, um, when we get to that point, I think in our, then our bodies are living that we're tired and we're just ready to let go. I think at that point we actually have the ability to let go because next thing I know is I felt the vibration that started at my feet and it was, it started slowly. It was like, voo, 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 voo. And when it got to almost like it was just one big voo, all of a sudden it stopped. And I felt like a disconnection. Whenever I talk about it over the years, I say the disconnection is not unlike the feeling that you get in an elevator. When right before it goes up or down, you feel like a little disconnection for a second. And that's what I felt. And the next thing I know is like I was floating or moving. And it's as if I floated away from things. The next thing I know is that I'm looking at the scene. Uh, I see the streets, I see the buildings and, and you know, I was seeing things from a third person perspective at this point. And as I'm looking around and I noticed that the color of everything was different It's as if Everything was, um, how do I put it, like uh, a, the negatives of a photo. That's what everything looks like. The buildings, everything looked, just looked great. So as I'm looking at all this, I noticed that there's a car, and I see people. And to me, everything was on a screen. Jeff, It's is if everything was on a big screen. Uh, looking, I don't know who there. So... Look at the screen, I can actually see my mother and I can see other family members in the screen. And the difference is, though, I could feel emotions. Like, I could feel what they were feeling at that moment. And what I was feeling was, like, anxiousness and nervousness, uh, fear. And I was wondering why I would be feeling those feelings for my family members because I, at that point I thought I was fine. Um, as a matter of fact, after I felt those feelings, I was, it was like, something compelled me to look under the car. And when I looked under the car, it was as if like, I mean, that was like, is that why they're feeling like this? is that why? They're feeling all these negative emotions. It's like it, then I realized that was me. And when I realized it was me, I I realized at the same time that they obviously didn't know where I was. They couldn't see me. And I would take the fact that they would be feeling the emotion from when that was on the ground because when I talk about it, I like I say me. It was like being in a car accident that I'm able to step out of the car and stand with my family members. But my family members are crying over the car even though I'm standing next to them. That's what it felt like to me. It made absolutely no sense.
1: We are having a little bit of um, glitch problems, but you said that while you were standing next to your family, you had a certain feeling. What do you mean by that?
0: I was looking at my family who was looking at the body and from my perspective they were all on the screen it was all on the screen my body was on the screen my family was on the screen and as I'm looking at it all I could feel their emotions as they're looking at me you know from their perspective and um that was just the, the most idiotic thing in the world to me because to me, it felt like I had no connection to that body at all. And um, I couldn't see why anybody else would. And it was almost like, it was almost like absurd to think that, that that thing on the ground had anything to do with me.
1: Do you feel that you're watching your family from a screen? Is it kind of like what we're doing now? I mean, looking at me from a screen?
0: Yes, and it was as if I was actually holding, okay, um, actually, okay. After I got hit and I left Bomba and I'm looking at the scene, um, it changes because all of a sudden I can see somebody calling me to come to her, like from another part of the intersection. And as I'm looking at her, um, uh, she looked to me like she had long hair and she was almost like. Blending in with the background, almost like, like she was waving in and out. I don't, I can't explain it, But anyway, she was telling me to come to her and it wasn't verbal. Cause it was, she was too far. Um, uh, but to me, it was like, she was standing right in my ear, just telling me, Leonard, come here, you know, Leonard, come here. And I didn't even really know how I was going to come to her. My first initial reaction when she, when she asked me to come to her was, I thought I was going to get hit again. So. I replied, No, I don't think I want to. I think I'll get hit again. And she replied, No, you'll be fine. Trust me, you'll be fine. Come. So at that point, I'm like, Okay, well, I guess I'll give it a shot. So as I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to move to her, I didn't even know how I was going to move. All of a sudden, I saw a light appear just to the right of her, or just to the right of my shoulder. And as I'm looking at this light, Jeff, um, a picture just popped up. And when I looked at this picture, I recognized it. Now I'm three at the time, but in the picture, I was about nine or 10. And not only that, I had siblings in the picture. So as I'm looking at the picture, I said, hey, I remember this, I remember this moment. Now, this will give you an understanding of how time is not linear in any fashion when you're over there, because not only was I looking at it, but I remembered it. And as I'm looking at this picture, it goes away. And then another one pops up. And of course I'm looking at all of this and it's like, I'm living the moments as I'm looking at them. So these pictures or images go by and i'm just looking at it like i'm like you would watch any movie uh these images and videos that are going by um and anything that i had like an emotional attachment to or any moments that really stood out to me emotionally it was like i got to delve a little bit deeper into that moment so as these images and videos were going by they were going by slow to, to me they were But actually, they were going by like two. But to me, there was like second by second. So as they're going by, all of a sudden it stops on one picture. And as I'm looking at this picture, it was of a young man. It looked to be like about 21 to 23, something like that. And he had his arms around this young lady. So as I'm looking at this picture, it seemed familiar to me. And as I'm like going over why it seems so familiar to me, the thought came to me, your son. So when that thought of son came to my head, I I looked at the picture even more and it got even more familiar to me. And before you know it, I'm thinking, this is my son. I realized that I was looking at a picture of my son. Now I'm three years old, Jeff. And this young man is about 21 to, to, you know, 23 years old. And I knew he was my son without without a shadow of a doubt. I knew this was my boy. And it was almost like I had a shocking feeling with that too. So I guess I glanced at this picture for a while. And before you know it, the videos and images, they continue. And to me... Jeff, it was like I was watching these images and videos for a long time. And um, at some point, you know, I find myself in a place just thinking. I guess after all of the videos and images went by, I find myself thinking at some point. Actually, I think it was, I was at this point of thinking uh, when I decided to leave everybody in their emotions. I think this is when I because I try to put things in a linear point of perspective, but it's it's not because it's almost like everything is blended into one. But at some point I find myself in a in a place just thinking. And it was like I was in deep thought. Now it was black. As a matter of fact, everything was black from the point all of this started. Except for the point where I could see, every, you know, the streets and the buildings, which were gray. But when I left that, everything was black. And in this black void or whatever, it was as if I had seen this void or blackness before. And so I'm thinking, I'm in, in this void, just thinking. And when I don't know exactly what was I, what I was in such deep thought about, but to me, Jeff, it seemed like I was there. 40, 50 years just thinking. And at some point, something uh, erupted in my thought process because the scenes changed. Whereas when I was in that dark void, I could sense that there were people around me, but there was no communication, you know, with just me and my thoughts. Well, when the scene changed, all of a sudden now, it's like, I can see movement. I can see people moving around. And I could actually communicate with people. And I do remember communicating vividly with one person. Maybe others, but vividly with one person. And um, Jeff, one thing I can tell you is this person appeared to me and when they appeared it was just like it was only like the f- the face his face appeared and as I'm looking at this face I was captivated by his eyes um, his eyes the only way to describe it is like if you've ever seen the sun through the clouds it has like little rays mm-hmm. and his eyes had like little rays that circled each pupil. And as he looked at me, it was as he was looking through me. And it was so beautiful that it was like, I didn't want to do anything else but look in his eyes. So uh, as I'm looking at his eyes, we start communicating. And it's like we had a, a, a long chat. And as a matter of fact, um, at some point, I was told that I wouldn't be able to remember everything we talked about. And I got kind of irritated by that, by that thought. But then he asked me a question. He asked me why I wanted to go back. And my initial thought was, I want to go back and help my mother raise my brothers. Which was really baloney, because at the at the time I was actually thinking about a car I was gonna have. I was going to have this drop-top car, and I was thinking about the car. Not my brother's in the slightest, but this person knew that, and he chuckled. And he asked me what was the real reason I wanted to go back. And I said, I want to go back. I want to leave the world a better place than I had. Because to me, I already had the understanding that I had left the world. But I guess I felt like I hadn't had any impact at all. And so what was the point of going if I hadn't had any impact? So with that thought, I'm shot back to the accident scene. And, um, when I get back to the scene, I see the screen again. And as I'm looking at the screen, I'm thinking, why How am I here again? It's to me, it, it seemed like it had been 100 years, Jeff, since I was at that accident scene. And it seemed like so much time went by, but as I'm looking, reflecting on that, the next thing you know is I'm actually going inside the screen. I'm actually being put inside the screen and I can actually remember like the tunnel or whatever. It was almost like uh, if you dive into some water, but the water is not so it's not so loose. It's almost like jello almost like. And, um, so as I'm put back into this scene. Hovering at point, which I to my body, I'm hovering inside the bumper, looking at my eyes. I'm directly in front of my, my face as I'm looking up at the bumper. I'm also looking down, looking up at the bumper, And I'm realizing that I'm fixing to go back inside this thing. And I got sort of upset and I started crying it felt like I felt like I would rather cry than go back inside this thing I didn't want to go back inside of it so I managed to ask the question will I be back I didn't hear anything but I'm knowing in any second I'm going to be back inside this thing so it was like I just got to know will I be back and the word I heard before looking up at the bump like
1: I didn't hear it too well but you asked a question and the answer was something. What was the question and what was your answer again or the answer you heard?
0: So as I'm um, at any second, I know I'm fixing to be thrown back inside their body. And it was almost like I was holding myself with my will trying to get this question answered, will I be back? Um, will I be back? And the answer that I got was always, but now as an adult I ask myself why would I ask that question will I be back and that's because as an adult I look at the whole NDE thing and then I look at the religious aspect of everything and Jeff I haven't been a saint by any stretch of the imagination and I know that all of this NDE stuff happened when I was three and innocent well not so innocent anymore and um you know, I guess that would be the reason I would have been asking about, will I be back? Will I be be, um, able to return based on a life that obviously I saw myself live and it was known I would live. So um, definitely when I received that question, I mean, an answer always, it was a little comforting before being thrown back inside this body. (laughs) It was a little comforting.
1: Let me take you back to the beginning. Right before you were, hit by the car it seemed like you said something either pushed you out of the way or went by you quickly
0: yeah um it was almost just as if things slowed down like everything was put in slow motion and in my slow motion what i see is me looking at the fixing to look at the car but something comes and stops. And it's almost like it stopped and looked at me. And then just as quickly, it would seem like everything was in slow motion. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that whatever it was pushed me or stopped me, but it was almost like it was there to to look at me, to, I don't know. I, I, I've never got an understanding of that or what that was about at all. Only thing I can think of now when I look at it is if, because since since I've been back, I've actually went to that spot. I've actually walked that spot as a grown man again. And since time is not linear, I'm wondering if what I saw was me actually as a grown man at the same instant that I was there as a child. I mean, that's how I try to rationalize it. I don't, I mean, because I can't make any sense of it.
1: Do you think that the being that flashed by you was also the being that said "let go"? Or when you were there, did you ever say "let go"?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't say much. It's almost like I was just basically there as a just to uh, as a spectator to it all. Um, you know, other than the re- interactions I had with uh, the person I now know to be Jesus, um which like, I'll explain later, but, um, and when she would called me to come to her, other than that, as a matter of fact, I don't remember ever uh, talking to her again, other than that, for maybe maybe one instant when I asked her why were they worried about that thing on the ground. That's the only time I remember talking to her. Uh, and she, she directed me to, to look at that, that thing on the
1: ground. That was about it. So you're saying that it was a female voice that you heard?
0: Yes. Well, no, no. Um, I heard two voices. One was her, a female voice after I originally got hit, telling me to come to her. And, um, the other one, the first verse I heard, I'm sorry, was after I got hit, I heard a voice telling me to let go when I was trying to make my body work. And after I let go, that's when she, I saw her. And saw the buildings and everything, and then she told me to come to her.
1: But it was a different being telling you to let go. Yes,
0: because it was a male voice. It was like a strong male voice that said, "Let go." It was a like a I put it um like this. It was like authoritative but caring, like let go. Like you're you're putting yourself through this. Let go. Uh, that was almost like it was like what it was like.
1: So watching everything through a screen and then entering the screen to come back, do you feel that our reality is some type of simulation? To be honest, which I have
0: to I have to think. Because the one thing about it is that we all have to leave this simulation. We all have to leave this whatever it is. We consider it real and home, but in essence we we, you know, obviously are able to come in and out of these bodies at, at will, I guess. Um, so I would have to say it's closer to being a, a simulation than actual rock hard, solid, something unchangeable. I'll put it like that. Um, and as I've, uh, grown with knowledge, spiritual understanding, I'm coming to that conclusion even more that, uh, I guess it's not only assimilation, but it also might be a reality in which we can dictate uh, our tomorrows by our thought processes. And um, uh, it makes it a little bit easier to go through life knowing that you can have some aspect of a dictation when it comes to the life you live.
1: Did your family ever tell you how long you were out or unconscious for? My mother talked about it. Um,
0: Um, over the years, but the only thing I could ever remember, Jeff, it was like it was a blank spot. The only thing I could remember was the moment in which okay, I'll go to explain so I'll just go ahead and explain what happened. When I came back, after being thrown back into my body, I um, was looking up at the bumper and at this point, the guy who hit me Takes me out from under the car, and he hands me to my mother. Only I can remember distinctly remembering that I was not crying. I felt no need to cry through any of it. It was only the point that my mother uh, had me in her arms, and she was kind of frantic, and she was kind of checking me out to see what was anything wrong with me. That I realized. Okay, I thought. Well, if my mother's acting like this maybe I should be worried about what I just saw. I mean, should I be crying too? Was at that point I started crying for the first time. So whenever we talked about it over the years, only thing I can remember was that I wasn't crying. It was like, that was a blank spot and it stayed a blank spot up until the, the floodgates to everything I saw because I was three. So everything that pretty much got pushed so far back in my memory that it was all but forgotten. And I think that this was a a plan of some sort because I didn't recall what happened until my brother died. And um, it happened just like this, Jeff. Um, he died in his sleep. He had a heart attack. He died in his sleep. So I didn't get a chance to say bye to him or, I mean, we knew he had issues with his heart, but um, I didn't say, God, I got, I felt like I had got cheated because he died in his sleep. So being, growing up in a church, I started thinking about what is he going through now? I started thinking, uh, is my brother suffering in some mm-hmm. type of hell or, you know, it was just my, I was going through a tough time mentally dealing with it. So I just typed in out of frustration, what happens when you die on Google? As if Google has the answers to everything. <laughs> but um, so I typed in "What happens when you die," and these things popped up called near-death experiences. These videos of people who apparently saying that they died and and came back. So as I'm looking at these videos because I, to be honest, I was writing these people off. But I figured I'll go ahead just look just for entertainment purposes. So as I'm looking, I've looked at a couple of videos up to this point, and I was getting to the point where I was writing them off because I didn't believe. It until I got to this one guy, his name was Ian McCormick. Ian was stung by four box jellyfish, or something mm-hmm. like that. Four, four, a bunch of box jellyfish. And as I looked at his video, when he described what he his what he was going through when he when he described it, he, you could see him looking. And the way he would look, like if you said he saw something to his left, he would actually look like he was expecting to see that same thing again. I'm like, wow, if this guy is acting. They're doing a good job. So he piqued my interest enough to watch uh, another one of his videos. And as I'm watching this video, it gets to this point where He's, he's, he's in, he's in the dark void. He's in the dark void that I was telling you I was in and he saw some things looking at him and I didn't say this, but at some point during the dark void, the only thing negative I can say was that at some point I saw Jeff, I don't know how to explain this, I was wondering what not to even see it, but at some point, I saw a huge eye. And after watching the videos, I stepped into what looked like a tunnel. And as I stepped into that tunnel, I could see that there were other people stepping into the same light tunnel. So as I looked forward, I saw what looked to be a huge eye on them. On, like in existence somewhere other than where I was but I knew that it could see me. So, um, that I kind of stood with me. So that was the only time that I kind of had some fear and I had, I held that fear up until the point. Now, this is before I had the conversation with Jesus. So I felt that that fear of that I, and I felt the breeze coming from my left, from my, from my right. And when that breeze hit me, Jeff, it's as if, the word fear made no sense to me. The word I knew that I had nothing to fear in existence. And um so when that fear, when I when that fear went away, it was at that point I, I was turned around and then I was looking at the accident scene again, which it seemed like it had been a hundred years. So now we can fast forward back to to uh being in this reality. Um um, trying to think of where I was before I went back. But um, the eye, I know it had something to do with the eye.
1: The guy on the video was talking about being in the black yes. void.
0: Okay, Ian McCormick. Okay, so when he got to the point, he saw he was in the darkness, and he saw something looking at him. I'm in the computer. I'm, I'm in front of my computer just like this, Jeff and I'm watching him, and he gets to that point, and he, sh- he shows like eyes looking at him. And I said, oh, I remember that. Just like that, Jeff. Oh, I remember that. So, Jeff, I put my hand on, on the computer for a second. I'm like, wait, what the hell do I mean I remember that? So, I backed away from the computer for a second, and I stepped outside to think about where that memory came from. And it was as if the floodgates to everything that I had saw up to that point came back to me. Even the peace, it was almost like with the, with the memory came a bit of the peace as a gift with it. Because so, it was completely peaceful over there. Was, it was nice. So I was uh completely taken back. I was like, whoa, hold up. These people are talking about they died. I'm remembering this memory and I know it was real. I was like, so that was death. I was, I was like, whoa, I mean, cause up to that point, I looked at death like the pit bull or the double and pincher when it was really just a poodle, you know, just, just a a a poodle. And I was like, wow, I mean, I feel like, well, if that was death, we don't have anything to worry about. And it it gave me a little bit of comfort in knowing that. The religious beliefs I had might not be a hundred percent clad as far as the the uh, the you know heaven or hell part of it. Like I can't say that people don't go to have have hellish experiences, but I can't say that I didn't experience that. But I have witnessed. Uh, videos of people that have had hellish experiences, but the commonality I find in all of those was that they too were able to come back and say what happened to them, which is something that we're not, grew up in church believing, you know, you know, from what I was, I grew up believing. So um, that pretty much uh, opened my eyes up to what death really was. And, And that was just the beginning, Jeff, of a bunch of miraculous things that happened as a result of me realizing what happened to
1: me. During your experience, it appeared that you were shown the future of having a son.
0: After finding out that I had died and trying to put everything together, it was um, it was a surreal moment in my life. And um, so I'm basically just trying to Put it all together and, and live life with this knowledge and um at some point okay throughout my throughout my of high school i've uh, i had a girl a high school girlfriend and um at some point i would reach out to see if and we broke up because i you know we stayed in different cities and eventually we broke up but from time to time i would try to look her up and see how life you know has treated her and but you would think you know this was a high school and some 15 20 years later i'm still trying to reach out and say hi to her you know but she she did mean a lot to me i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna lie we were really close but i just wanted to, it wasn't like i wanted to reconnect or something i just wanted to say hi you know how life how did life treat you so i would look up an old girlfriend and um i would never be able. i could not never find her any information about her so, um, one day I typed in her last name and uh, this young man popped up and her, which shocked me because we were in the it was in the same city that we were in. So I figured he should know her because, you know, they didn't have that many family members with that last name. I mean, that many people with that last name that I know of in Houston. So, um contacted the young man and I gave him some information about the person that I knew. I didn't know this was maybe her nephew, her son, her, you know, I didn't know I just knew he had her last name. So I just wanted to see if he knew her. So I I gave him some information about her and waited for a reply. And to my surprise, he replied back. He asked him who I was and I was, you know, described to him, you know that uh, we were pretty close. You know, it was my girlfriend at one point. And at this point, he he informed me that that was his mother I was talking about. And I was like, whoa, wow, after all these years I believe it. And like, okay, well, how's she doing? I I mean, I know she had a daughter and I just wanted to know how everybody, how she was doing. He said, well, my mother has been dead since I was 10. And I was like, whoa. So I was like, I was like, all of these years I've been trying to find her and she's been dead since he was 10. I was like, well, um, do you have any pictures of her and her daughter? Because at the time she had a daughter, I just wanted to see how she had grown up. And so he sent me some pictures of her and her daughter and him. So as I'm looking at all of these pictures, I look at his, a picture of him. And the picture looks so familiar to me. I'm like, wow, it like I've seen this picture before. So as I'm thinking about it, it was just like all of a sudden, boom, it hit me. This young man had just sent me the same exact picture that was paused on when I was three years old. He had his arm around a young lady. And as I'm looking at this picture, I realized at the time when I last saw this picture I knew that I was looking at a picture of my son. So it was at this point, the thought came to my head, this is my, this is my son. When I saw that picture, it was like, it all made sense. I realized that I had been guided all of these years because there was no doubt. When I saw that picture over there, I knew that this was my son. So I started trying to rationalize it all. I said, well, you know, I'm saying this to myself. He doesn't realize this is what I'm thinking when I started, when you showed me this picture. So I asked him, Well, I'm taking care of you all these years, He said, Well, there was a boyfriend that, you know, that had raised him and they'd been pretty much, you know, father and son that he wasn't his real father. So I said, Well, where's your real father? I wasn't prepared for his words because his his words kind of shook me a little bit. He said, "I haven't yet found them," and when I heard those words, it kind of crushed me inside because it, up to this point, you know, I had been married and and uh, for 11 years, and we could never have a child. So to find out that all of this time I had a child and didn't know he was there, it kind of uh, took me back a little bit. So I informed him that, you know, um, I believe he, he had indeed found his father. And I explained to him um, everything about me and his mother, how everything had, um, you know, went down and how I was too young to stay because I was still staying with my mother at the time. So I had to leave. and. And it was unfortunate that, you know, all of these years had passed without me knowing him and him knowing me. But he, uh, not a week or two after this conversation, I drove down and met him for the first time. And um, I think we all, he came and spent Christmas with me and the rest of the family. Uh, uh, and uh, we've been, you know, staying in contact up to this point, other thing. That's just, it was just amazing to
1: me. Did you ever take like a blood test or a DNA test to confirm that uh, it is true?
0: No, to be honest, I haven't. Uh, I haven't even, like, if I had, it would have been validation for somebody else because I felt like I, I needed to know about it. Once, the knowing there was like an unmistakable knowing. Wow. hmm and we talked about it. I said, you know, I, I said, well, if you want, we can get a DNA test, you know, um, just to make sure. He said, well, listening to you and knowing me, I don't think we have to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he felt like when we started communicating, it was as if we knew each other all the while. Um, you could see our similarities in, like, when, when I frown. He had the same little indentation when he frowns, and it's like, wow. No, nah, I don't think we have to go into that uh, paperwork stuff. But if it ever came down to it, I might need to do it just to make sure. But
1: it's an amazing story. Oh man, it,
0: Jeff, it's that was just uh, the beginning of the of the of the iceberg with with the changes that have. Uh, I had an aneurysm disappear, Jeff. Hmm. And that was amazing in itself. And, um, you know, it's funny. You say we, we talk about our reality, but those, uh, those videos and images that would come by, I, I now know those, they're called a life review. From my vantage point, it would have been a life preview. So I was being shown a life I was going to live or a possible life I was going to live. I had to learn that the hard way, that it was impossible. Um, But to me, it was all set in stone.
1: Leonard, unfortunately, I only had so much time scheduled today to record this interview, and as you know, we've had many struggles with it. So I'm going to have to cut it short. And perhaps either I'll get you back at another time to finish, or maybe you'll end up on somebody else's podcast. But after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that?
0: Yes, I am. Uh, that's the whole purpose of me having the interviews because it um, it took a while for me to come to grips with it myself. But now that I have, I, I knew the whole point of it all was because. This is some information that needs to get out to people. Um, I myself gather information from other indie years, even though I am one. So I can imagine people who haven't had one would want to get as many answers as they have, and I could provide a few. So I'd be happy to do that.
1: What's the best way for people to contact you?
0: Email. Um, I give you my email address, and um, they can reach out to me. Uh, uh I don't... Uh, Dabbling on Facebook too much, but I'm I'm think I'm gonna open up myself to to a bit a little bit more Facebook. So uh, they can actually reach out to me on Facebook, you know my Facebook account or my email address, which is the Inevitable Illusion uh, at gmail.com. The Inevitable Illusion. That's the name of a book that I'm writing.
1: And your Facebook profile is
0: Leonard Simmons Rogers
1: before we finish up can you leave us with one last positive message
0: as a matter of fact it's it's, it's uh, ironic that you say positive message because that's the most important thing that that we can do as human beings if is, is think positively like no matter what's going on in your life no matter what you want no matter um how much of it you want no matter how how bad things look, I always know that in the end, it's gonna work out and and you just gotta be positive and just try to be a positive influence on this world in general, as a whole, you know, um, try to make a good mark on the planet if you can, you know. Um, Nobody is required to be a saint, but we can all be good people, you know. Um, With that said, you know, I I wish wish, uh, everyone the best And their endeavors, and feel free to reach out to me.
1: Leonard, thank you for that message, and thank you for being my guest.
0: Thank you for having me, Jeff. I look forward to seeing you again.
1: Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast.